So, uh, for those of you who were here with us last week, you know that we did basically a history of biblical sharing, giving, treasure. That was the whole idea, running from Genesis to the Revelation on why it is that Baptist, Methodist, Christians believe what they believe about giving. So in Genesis, we found the first fruits. In Deuteronomy, we found the tithe, the second tithe, the third tithe. In, in Malachi, we found the storehouse. In Acts, we found the abundance of giving in the New Testament church, all right? We found cheerful giving. We found giving out of the abundance, and that's what we talked about, that God wants us to give out of our moed, out of our, I mean, our maod, our, our abundance, our fullness. He wants the muchness of us, but the muchness of us is all about the abundance of Him. When we recognize, as Paul did, he, he must become greater, I must become less, I must die so that he might live. He begins to fill us with so much more than we could ever fathom. So we finished last week talking about giving out of the abundance, out of our maod. And I, and I said this phrase, you can't do life for God if you're not doing life with God. Let me say it again, because this is going to permeate the next few weeks. You cannot do life for God if, you cannot, if you're not doing life with God. What he calls us to do is beyond our capacity, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. What he calls us to do, what he asks of us is, is, is beyond us. That's why everybody always says there is this free gift of God, okay? And there is. The grace of God is a gift that he gives freely, all right? But Jesus also says you have to count the cost. Living this life is not something that freely occurs. You have to tune out the CNNs, tune out the Facebooks, tune out the neighbors, and tune into the Spirit of God because you cannot do life for God if you're not doing life with God. We're moving into this week, and we're going to talk about what it means to live generously, how we are called to a life of generosity and what that ultimately means for our financial situations and how we make choices. I always say this up front. This is not about money. And we're digging in this week to the reason Jesus spoke so much about money. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what that means. God is chasing your heart, always has, always will. And in order to get through to it or for you to understand it, he has to help you what? understand what it is that you treasure. You got to come through what your other gods are. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And listen to me, even the best of us in this room right now, even the ones of us who feel like we've got it going on, there are things in your life that are your gods. I'm going to use this quote later, but maybe now is best. Tim Keller, who is sick and could use our prayers, said this, money flows effortlessly to that which is your God. I want you to think about that, church. Money flows effortlessly to that which is your God. Let that permeate. Can't do life for God if you're not doing life with God. And your money flows effortlessly to that which is your God. Now I want to start in Matthew. 
always biblical. But before we do, I want to share another, another bonus, another fun fact, another awesome thing with you. So last week, I shared you that January, we had a good month. February, we had a good month. And then everybody was worried about March. And then March, we went through the roof. Like literally, we didn't have church. Everybody's worried about losing finances. And we had $23,000 come in, most ever in the six and a half years I've been here. April, over 20000 best single week outside of a, a, an extra offering month that we've ever had, all right? I got another fun one for you, all right? So last Sunday, we met back for the first time, all right? Last, last Sunday's offering was over $10,000. We run about 3500 We run about 3500 One more thing, you ready? Before we started church today, Today's the 13th. It's our second Sunday. We've only had one Sunday. Before we started church this morning, we have more money in the bank than we had all last month. This month. This is not about money. This is not about money. I'm not, that's not it. Right here. Everybody, right hand up, right hand here. This is about your heart. This is about what God wants in your heart. Not worried about your cash. That's all later. Here we go. Do not store, Matthew 6, 19. Do not store for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin, I love that word, vermin, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. Here's why everybody gets upset and people don't want to talk about this. I'm not coming off the stage. I'm going to get this right. <laughs> All right, the camera. All right, I'm going to get this right. Listen, we're stuck. We're stuck. You can see it in your world when you say something like, hey, I like your shoes. Instead of saying, thank you, I appreciate that you noticed my shoes, the response of our world is, what, you don't like my shirt? Y'all know what I'm talking about here? But everybody does it. When you read these passages, what you hear is, hey, do not buy things. Do not store up for yourself treasures on the earth because they don't get destroyed. What you hear is do not buy things. That's not God's point. This is not a do not. Forget the do not. This is God saying, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's instructions on how to live, not how not to live. All right? What he's trying to do with the first verse is provide for you a way to store up. If you spend on X and Y is what he wants for you, you don't have the finances for Y. So here's what God is saying. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Invest in things that will last. Things of this world pass away, but things of heaven are eternal. So our investments, when we have something that we give, when we have some place that we serve, when we have something that we offer, all right, it should be all things for God's glory to bring treasures. So you mean I have a savings account? I have an account in heaven in a way that you can't fathom that doesn't match what we do here in the bank? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we, we on this earth live somewhere between Job and Solomon. That's our problem. We live somewhere between Job and Solomon. Let me explain. Job had. He was a wealthy man for his time. He had. Nothing extravagant, but he had. All right? Barns everywhere, seven kids, 
lots of oxen, lots of camels, all of that stuff. And in a moment, he lost everything. In a matter of minutes, it was all wiped out. Lost his children, lost his farms, lost the homes, everything but his wife, who said, curse yourself and die. That's what she said, curse God and die. So he didn't really have her. Lost it all. And somehow, through 30-something chapters in the Old Testament, figures out that God is all he needs. That's Job. Has nothing and figures out that God is all we, he needs. Well, church, let me tell you something. None of you have lost it all. Most of us have lost something. Some of us have been down. But none of you have lost it all. So we've not been where he's been. And then there's Solomon. On the other side of the spectrum, a man so rich, his money was rich. All right? This is the guy that set out to say, I am the wisest man on the planet. And he wasn't saying that arrogantly. It was a fact. He's the wisest man on the planet, and he's the richest man on the planet. So he's going to figure out if his wisdom combined with enough money to do everything under the sun can bring happiness. He could buy it all, own it all, see it all, do it all, all right? From women to land to buildings to parties. He didn't, you, none of you have thrown a party like he's ever thrown. You've never been to a party like Solomon threw. And this is Bible, so if you get upset about it, don't email me. You, you talk to the guys that wrote it, all right? This is Bible. He threw epic, mega parties. 200 cows killed. Barrels and barrels. This is for one party, and they did this every night. You've never known the expanse of expense that Solomon was able to spend. And at the end of it all, guess what he said? Meaningless. 700 women of all race, creed, color, and meaningless. 700 mother-in-laws. Meaningless. If I don't have to be married to them, what is that? Does that help? All right, 300 concubines. Meaningless. Palace, he's got palaces so big he could put all of his palaces in. He built palaces for all of his wives. <gasps> I know, huh? That's right. Lil Rankin's like, no. You've never known or understood his wealth, and here's what he found out. The smartest man to have ever lived and the richest man to have ever lived said this, meaningless. But you don't buy that. Do you know why I know that you don't buy that? Because here's what every human being does. Maybe if my car were just a year newer. Maybe if my house were just a few square feet bigger. Maybe if my bank account had just a few more dollars in it. Maybe if I made just a few more bucks. Let me tell you something. At 50000 100000 or 500000 it will be maybe just a few more because there will be more insurance. There will be more plans. There will be more people who want something from you. This is our dilemma. Do you buy for the now or do you buy for tomorrow? And God says, if you're obedient to the scripture, obedient to the scripture, store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Why? Because the moths and the vermin cannot destroy it. Nothing can, termites can't eat away at it. Credit cards, companies can't interest charge on it. It never fails. Thieves cannot break in 
and steal. And then God lays it out for the people he's talking to. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the test. This is why we say, if you want to know who the God of your life is, follow your checkbook. If the croquet tournament comes up every summer and you are writing a check faster than life, all right, if the concert series comes up and it is never a question, you look down and you go, now this week would be, I made 2000 so it would be $200 to the church. Man, that seems like a lot. I still got to pay my cell bill. I still got to pay, oh, Bunbury's coming up. It's 250 bucks. Does that not happen? Money flows what? Effortlessly to that which is our God. Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Well, how, how does that show? <laughs> the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Here's what he's saying. You can, you can speak it, you can say it, you can think that you have it, all right? But if it's not shining out of you as what God would want, if what flows from you financially, servingly, willingly given is more about you than about others, then the light in you is not light at all. And how dark is a place where the light is also darkness? Now, Craig, you're preaching to people who are coming to church. Why are you coming down? So That's not me. Jesus is looking at church people and he's saying, hey, your dark is dark and your light is dark. It's got to be nasty dark in there. And you keep coming back to me and asking me why. And I'm telling you why. Because you're storing up for you. Instead of flowing freely to others. What do we call that? Generosity. Why does God call us to be generous because no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money why because even if your heart is in the right place you can see us edging toward something else let me give you a great example anybody ever owned a junker an old car, a car you didn't care about, a car you didn't, yeah. Anybody ever had one of those? Steve, Steve, you got one now, don't you? Hold the hood down with a bungee strap, you know, headed to the gym, hoping the hood doesn't fly up. Yeah. Hey, have you ever parked at Walmart and worried about who was going to open their door and hit that car, Steve? Have you ever pulled into a car wash and tried to spray it off and worried about whether the paint was coming off or not? Did it last week. Have you ever gone about six months and not sprayed it off just because it doesn't matter? But if you had a BMW 6 Series and you pulled into Walmart, would how you park change? Would how many times you wash that car change? Would how you act in the driveway with that car and how many times you peek through the window, would it change? 
then did you act differently from before you had it than after you had it? And now something else has become, listen to me, even if but for a moment, what? The object of your affection. And you are now making arrangements to make sure that you don't lose what you have in that object of affection. So the car washes add a little more. The oil changes add a little more. The, 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 the um, insurance adds a little more. And so now you've made an investment that you may or may not could have made. We'll talk about that in a minute, all right? And that investment now costs you more than the investing to begin with. And your affections have turned from anything other than how to take care of what it is that I invested in. What is that called? It has become your God. The object of your, it's simple. And then we go, but I just, but I just, well, there's your problem. I just, I just need one more room. I just need a few more square feet. Can, can, can I get a witness to this? But we can't afford it. We got a raise. We can afford it. Sure you can. At 30 years and 12% interest, you can afford it. What you don't understand is that $300 house, $300,000 house is now $475,000. Well, we've been paying down, so, so our, 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 our mortgage is, is this, and we can afford this. Well, then, then save $150,000 by taking it down to a 15-year. Two and a half years ago, Jamie and I refinanced our house and we upped our mortgage. It went from where it was to about $400 higher. But the day we signed that, we cut $140,000 off the price of our home because we went from 27 years that I had left to 15. Now, we've had to make some changes again recently because we didn't know medical was going on. We didn't know what was going to happen. And that's okay. God has provided for us a place that we could refinance and be able to pay and not be in debt because of what happened. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Each of you should give what you have decided, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Listen, listen, listen. For God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know what the uh, Greek word for cheerful there is? We always use this and we say God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy when you give. No, 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 no. I think it's deeper. Here's the Greek word. Hilaron. Hilaron. Sound like another word we use? Hilarious. That's where it comes from. God wants you to be a hilarious giver. Hysterically. Your giving should be hilarious or hysterical to those who do not understand it. Do you get that? What happened? Man, we sold our car because our, a family had a medical emergency. We had three cars. We sold a car. You're going to have two types of people in the world. One type of person goes, man, that person is overwhelmingly, hilariously, hysterically giving. The other type of person goes, I got some debt. You got two cars left. That's exactly who's out there people who notice and want to be hysterical alongside you and people who want you to keep on being hysterical to support them. And our country is now built on it. Because let me tell you something, the government gives hilariously and hysterically out of what they do not 
have. We don't get that luxury. So the question then becomes, from what I have, how can I be a hilarious? How can I be a hysterical giver? Anybody respect some C.S. Lewis? Here's what he had to say on the matter. I am afraid, listen, he knows the heart of man. I am afraid the only safe rule, are you listening, church, is to give more than we can spare. If our giving habits do not pinch or hamper us, I would say they are too small. Oh, man. Anybody want me to stop? There ought to be things we want to do and cannot do because our giving expenditures exclude them. Did you hear that? You may have to tell your children no. And when they say why, you say, because we fed the poor. Can I tell you that I want our church to be an example of that? I told you last week in both services, I think, that during the coronavirus, we had given some $600 in food to the Salvation Army. We spent a little over $400 to feed the homeless on a Sunday evening with pizzas with another church that got involved. We'd given away nearly $200 to um, people who, who, who needed it just in the community. We had done another four to 600 in a place that I can't remember. You ready for this? We had an offering last week. We made a decision on the building last week. And on top of that, we sent $1,200 to Guatemala to feed 60 families this week because their quarantine is killing them. And Prove is feeding families. You fed 60 families all week this past week. And we could have said, that $1,200 we're going to need when the painter shows up out here. No, we need God when the painter shows up out here. So I'll take my loaves and fishes to feed the 5000 instead of storing up treasure in my bank account and hoping I can pay. No way, man. And that's hysterical giving that the church is setting an example for you. I'm afraid that if our giving habits do not at all pinch or hamper us, they are too small. All too easily, God's gifts end up becoming his greatest competition. Our finances reveal our affections. And here's the one. This is where we're going to finish. You ready? Radical, hysterical, or hilarious generosity demands financial margin. Let me explain. Here's what I said to you last week, that I don't stand in front of a group of congregation, preach a Malachi sermon, throw 10% out there, and tell you that you're stealing. There's a Bible verse that gives me a little bit of leeway to do that, but I don't want to take it in or out because it's not a matter of, 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 of the rules and the regulations. I want it to be a matter of the heart. I want to do it New Testament like Jesus does it. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus gives all. I'm sorry, what? Jesus gives all. We were created in the image of God, right? Let me ask you a question. Is God generous? Is God generous? Have you, did you wake up this morning? Is God generous? Have you eaten this week? Is God generous? Food was created to nourish us, right? Just to make us go. That he could have stopped there, right? Did it have to taste good? Did you have to get salty and sweet? Did you have to get umami and sour and spicy? No, food, taste, 
touch, smell displays the gen- how you're made displays the generosity of God. You could have breathed in and breathed out and not been it, but you get to smell. You get to understand. He could have just helped you walk around in black and white, but we've got a palette of colors greater than any scientist could ever imagine. The Grand Canyon might have been enough, right? If you've ever stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon and looked out, it's not big, it's monstrous, and it is a crack on a small marble in a universe that is still expanding. God is generous with the sunrise. If you stood on the ocean and scanned the Pacific and watched the sun go down, that is a generous God, and it was never enough because he gave his one and only son to die for our stupidity. God is generous, and if you want to be like him, you must be generous too, and radical generosity demands financial margin. So here's what I'm going to say. If you do not have room in your budget for radical generosity, you are overspending, disobedient, and sinning. If there's not room to give, someone calls you up and is in a crisis in your church family or in your home and says, I could use this. I want to be able to say, no problem, here if I don't have the margin in my budget to do so, even if I'm setting aside, I mean, you, can look at my, you can look at my bank account. I'll tell you, there's like $1,900 in our savings account right now. Okay? That's what's in my savings account. What do I want to do with that? I want to get it to about $3,500 and put a new deck on, my, on the back of my house. But if anybody in this room called me and said, I need $1,500, I wouldn't blink because I have the margin to give it. It might mean I don't get a deck yet. So what? It might mean your niece, your nephew eats tomorrow. It's as simple as that, people. Hilarious generosity requires that when it's out there to give, you give it. Tithing is 10%. Generosity doesn't even start till 11. I want a church that when the association says, what are you doing? It's about giving. You see what I'm saying? We give so much away that we're hurting, we're probably doing it right. And I want the same for you. Why? Because if you have a heart of generosity, you are that much closer to the heart of God. And you never have to worry about who your master is. Make sense? Radical generosity demands financial margin for the next two weeks. We're going, maybe one week. If I can get it all in, we're going to do it in one week. Because I'd rather, y'all know me. I don't, I know this stuff. I don't want to be teaching this stuff. But you and I need to be reminded and need to be taught how. So I told you that we had to follow in obedience to God. We don't want to be in debt. We want to be tithing. We want to be giving to the storehouse. And now I'm telling you, you got to be radically generous. You've got to be the lady with two mites. When one, the rich man came into the temple, maybe he put $10,000 in the plate. The poor woman came into the temple, put two dimes in the plate, and Jesus said what? She gave more than anyone else. Why? Because it was the depth of how far it reached into her. Two mites was all she had. When you're ready to turn your paycheck over, that's hysterical. I'm not asking for that. I'm calling it what it would be. And I want people to look at us and go, They're almost, I I have to laugh at them. It's hilarious what they're doing because they think it's so dumb. That's what I'm looking for.
for me, for you, for my wife, for my baby. You know? I love that our church has this cycle of giving right now with babies. We had a lot come along. So, so people gave us clothes, and then we got some more clothes, and now our clothes are, are uh, at the Goodwill house, and then the clothes from the Goodwill house are then going to the M-I-N-K Mink house. All right? I love that. Here, take it all. That baby, the mink baby should never have to buy anything ever till she's like two. Why? Because there's, she's not going to wear all the clothes she's going to get. That's hilarious. And I love it. I love it. Hilarious giving. It demands financial margin. Next week, the week after that, if we need it, I'm going to tell you how to create the financial margin. I can't make you do it. But when you say, hey, okay, Craig, I get it, but I'm in X amount of debt. I get it, but I want this. I get it, but we need this. I get it, but you don't understand. Don't, don't, don't know. No. I'm not telling you what I understand. Biblical principles for doing exactly what God demands will provide for you more than you could ever ask for or imagine. And I'm going to show you the hows over the next couple weeks. All right? Let's pray. God, my prayer this morning is simply this. That you take our loaves and our fish and that you allow us to hand them over to you and to those who are walking beside you in their discipleship and to let that be distributed to the masses in a way that we can't even fathom. And we will believe that everyone will be fed that everyone will be clothed, that everyone will have a home, that everyone can pay their bills. We will believe that. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.